listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, you're joined by your hosts, Bob and Dan. Dan, what's going on, man? What up, Bob? What's going on, dude? Same old, same old, my man. Looking forward to uh, week one actually starting. I mean, it was like a real teaser this week because you got to see a lot of first-team players, first-team offenses, first-team defenses actually get out there and uh, kind of show what they can do. Um, so I'm ready. Let's let's roll. Week one. Let's go. Yeah, I know uh, I've had a couple drafts this weekend. I've got one that's still ongoing. You're about to do one as we're on the show here. So it's it's the big draft weekend getting ready for the regular season, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I've got a dynasty draft coming up uh, tonight in uh, the league that I play with a bunch of my friends from undergrad. And I got the number four pick. So I've been trying to shop it around a little bit today. I was hoping I could maybe score Tyreek Hill uh, from Mr. John Nolan. But uh, he's playing a little hardball with me right now. So I don't think I'll be able to squeeze it out. But you know what? These days in this rookie dynasty draft, especially this late, you have a pretty good idea of where uh, some of these rooks are going to play, especially the running backs. So you know what? I'll take that number four pick, and I'm probably going to invest it in a, in a running back for the future here is where I'm thinking right now. Yeah, it's a smart move. I mean, we sort of went that route in our league. So, um, you know, we might get some insight from Dan as we're recording the show. But on today's show, just to give you guys a little heads up of what we're going to be doing here. Uh, first, we're going to kick it off and cover some week three preseason football, some injury scares, some uh, big performances that we were happy about. Um, later in the show, we're going to have a recording from earlier this week where we did a sponsored 12-team best ball league with Ryan O'Connell from oh, the yeah. Fantasy Football Life. Um, and I know he already put out a YouTube video on that, so I highly recommend checking it out. We provided the audio for it. And then the most important thing, and the thing I'm looking forward to, is our bold not takes. Bold. It's a bold move, Cotton. See if it pays off. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're going to sort of throw it out there and, and give each position, we're each going to give uh, a bold not take uh, that we think could happen for the season. And, you know, that's why they're called bolds. So you're going to hear some things that uh, you might question. It's going to sound a little weird, right, Bob? I mean, it's it, these are things that are maybe grounded in a little bit of reason, but... I mean, it would not be shocking to either of us if these things don't pan out like we're saying. Uh, but, you know, they're definitely within the realm of possibility. Yeah, so I'm interested just to put them out there. I, I think it's going to be a good discussion, and it's something we're going to revisit at the end of the season once fantasy football and football itself is over. So it's, it's always going to be fun to revisit these conversations. For sure. So, Dan, let's go ahead and get started with some news around the league. I'm going to throw out a few things, and then we'll sort of leave it open to, to just what stood out for you. First thing I want to go back to is, I believe it was Thursday they played, the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. I literally turned on the game as Cleveland <laughs> yeah. was getting ready to go into the end zone. I'm like, oh, they look to be moving the ball pretty well. And then Tyrod Taylor rolls out to the left, and he was down. And I thought, oh, did he just break a hand, break an arm? And, break a wrist, yeah. And it looked pretty bad, but thankfully it looks like he avoided a major injury. And he was a full participant at Saturday's practice. So a uh, good thing because you're going to hear from him, at least from me, in a, in a couple minutes. So I'm glad nothing major happened on his end. Yeah, it looked like from the from the very beginning, people were saying, oh, it's a broken rest. 
oh, it looked like it was dangling at his side whenever he's going to the sideline. Uh, when you actually watch the replays, it looked pretty nasty. So it went from wrist to then a hand injury. And now the most recent thing, at least according to Rotowire, is a dislocated pinky. Pinky. And a bruised, <laughs> bruised non-throwing hand. So... I mean, that has really kind of changed. I mean, you went from really saying, oh, no, if I've invested in Tyrod, I'm in deep, deep trouble. The, the Baker uh, Mayfield alarm. Baker Mayfield. Yeah, right. the Baker Mayfield alarm was sounding immediately on Twitter from what I could see. To basically, OK, well, this is not nearly as bad as we originally thought. And you know what? The thing is that the thing that kind of bothers me is that Tyrod Taylor has had a great preseason and it seems to me that the whole coaching staff is really behind him being the number one quarterback on this team i mean he has not done anything that would warrant the kind of concern that would come along with having a number one draft pick um, but it just seems like everybody just wants to push Tyrod out. Like everyone is already saying it's just a matter of time before Baker Mayfield plays. But I mean, Tyrod Taylor took a team to a subpar team at that to the playoffs last year. Like there is absolutely no Tyrod love going on right now. And I know that it's someone that you and I look to be a good streaming quarterback, if not somebody who you can maybe invest in early at least, because I think we are all pretty high on, at least you and I are pretty high on the Cleveland offense at this point. Yeah, and I'm actually going to leave it at that, Dan, because I will be bringing him up here shortly. So I don't, I don't want to get too far into oh, it. But, yeah, oh, little, little teasy. Oh, that's what we call a teaser. Tease Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> Tease Weasley. Right, let's move on to a really unfortunate injury that happened uh, yesterday, as we're recording this here. Marquise Lee carted off after a gruesome knee injury um, yep. in the third preseason game for Jacksonville. It's really shane they just rewarded him with a four-year contract i haven't seen anything definitive but i doubt he plays this year that looked pretty nasty yeah it looked it looks bad and that's i mean it's it's a bummer when anybody has a season-ending injury especially when there's a lot of hype around that offense and despite my distrust of blake bortles Everybody else is routinely telling me that I'm wrong about him. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that Allen Robinson did have some pretty nice years there as the number one. And I really do think that maybe there was a chance for him to kind of make a name for himself. And to even be, even before the season, kind of miss out on that opportunity, that, that, that's terrible. I feel bad for that guy. I wish he had a shot. It, it does not look like it's going to go well. So who's the next guy up? Who's, who's the guy that you're looking to, Bob, to be the next kind of number one receiver in that Jacksonville offense? Yeah, I, I like Keelan Cole probably to step up the most. I, I would like them to just go young and just go Cole and Westbrook. They, they were the sure. two at the end of last season when Bortles really started tearing it up uh, sort of in the fantasy playoffs. It seemed like Cole's been getting rave reviews. I know Westbrook's, uh, I believe he's a relative to Russell Westbrook, so you know the genes in that family have got to be like yeah. an athletic freak. Um, so, Is it possible he throws up a triple-double in a football game? Is that possible? Well, would it be one catch, one touchdown, one fumble? <laughs> Maybe. <yeah. laughs> I don't like that stat line nearly as much as uh, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Yeah, but or, who knows? But, yeah, I, I think I'd target uh, Keelan Cole. Um, he showed flashes, and he's been getting rave reviews in camp, so I think this will clear the way for him to assume the one but 
I, I mean, I really just think Leonard Fournette is going to just really get involved a lot more. Uh, you know, same consistency running the ball. He looked good on uh, the game that I saw. He broke a nice touchdown run. And I think they're going to try and get him involved more in the passing game. And I think it would make sense. Uh, he looks really good. And I'm sure you're happy with that. Yeah, personally, I love the sound of that. The only person that the only other name that's getting thrown around, at least to me today, especially on draft day, where people are trying to uh, get my pick away is uh, Dante Moncrief who, you know, had some a little bit of hype around him while he was in Indianapolis. Uh, definitely not someone who necessarily is exciting me very much because I really have not heard anything about him in the preseason. Have nothing. you heard anything about him? No, nothing. And, yeah, I I mean, I could see why they gave him uh, the chance to maybe be a sort of a t- – I know he was more of a touchdown threat in Indy. He was never a big yardage or, or reception guy. But, I mean – You've got some good youth there that proved last year that they could play. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't see it with Moncrief. I I prefer them just to go Cole and Westbrook as their main two, and then funnel in Moncrief. And I know they got the rookie Chark. I believe is how you say his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might just go really young at this point. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is that I don't really think that if you're in Jacksonville, you're necessarily super concerned about your passing game because we both think that the offense flows and will go through Leonard Fournette. So when it's time for Blake Bortles to kind of step up and do his thing, uh, he's launching it down the field. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty well known for those of us, for those people who listen to us on the regular that I have like no confidence in Blake Bortles, um, but he's proven me wrong every single time through stats and through the season but uh this year maybe it's time for him to step up and do a little bit more than he's used to because he doesn't necessarily have that much talent at receiver so it's now it's time for him to be kind of the uh driving force in that passing game as opposed to relying on the talent of the people he's throwing the ball to yep so uh unfortunate for marquise lee but definitely something to bummer. pay attention to real bummer for him yep Dan, the last player I just want to bring up because we have invested shares in him in our Dynasty League, and he was a player that I've read some were just not confident he can handle the workload. But if this preseason's anything, Christian McCaffrey is just dominating the reps for the Carolina Panthers. He had another uh, rush for 12 times for 48 yards, caught two of two targets for 16 uh, yards in the Panthers preseason game. The previous week, he put up 120 yards against Miami total. And early August, the coaches were saying they would like to see him get around 25 to 30 touches. Everything seems to be looking like that could be true. Yeah, and here is the – I don't want to give too much because this maybe goes into what I'm trying to talk about a little bit later too. But uh, I think if you invested in McCaffrey, especially in a dynasty league, now you're seeing the return on that investment. Like I know you and I took him as I think the number three pick yep, in our three, dynasty yeah, league. Yeah, we had the three and four pick and we took him as him, our... Him then Mixon uh, and – I know that we traded Mixon this year, and it looks like on our half uh, the right move to make because Mixon has been underwhelming in this preseason, and McCaffrey has done nothing but light it up and just kind of ride this hype train right into the regular season. And I am excited to have this guy on my team, especially – I mean, he's got – I mean, the the week that we were at our League of Record draft – 
uh, he ripped like a 71 yard touchdown run. <laughs> yeah. It was done for the night. So like, okay, that that's what we're looking for. That's what we want. And he's shown that he's going to be able to produce at that level. Uh, super excited for this guy this year. And, and it's only his second year. So to have him in a dynasty draft, uh, boy, we don't even have to worry about that as long as he stays healthy. And we love the team he's on, love the quarterback he's with, love the offensive that he's in. Uh, very excited for McCaffrey. Yeah, and you know, I'm just gonna leave this one open, Dan. Any other performances this week? I, I know I we mentioned earlier. I liked how the Bengals' offense looked. I know it yeah, was against Andy the Dalton. Bills, but Dalton looked good. AJ Green looked good. John Ross looked good. Um, positive signs for the Bengals' offense. Yeah, I, I think that especially if. Uh, I mean, th- there's the thing is that AJ Green has been consistent, consistently good for pretty much the entire time he's been in the league. He and Dalton have a good rapport, a good connection. And th- I, I mean, I don't think Dalton's underrated because he throws some really bad interceptions at times. But I really think that AJ Green is is underrated. I mean, I feel like he should be in the mix and is in the mix with people like Julio and things like that. But he's an afterthought just, I think, maybe because of his quarterback. But I don't really understand it because, I mean, he has been so good for so long that he should be getting as much credit as people like Julio, maybe not as much as AB, and maybe that's a little bit of a homer, but still. Um, AJ Green, excited about him coming into the regular season because it looks like he and uh, Dalton are finally on the same page again. Yeah, and that was uh, to harken back to what you just said, uh, who we traded Mixon for straight up. So right now, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I think Absolutely. AJ Green's going to have a big bounce back year and can really uh, anchor our wide receiver core in our dynasty mm-hmm. league. A- anything for else sure. that stood out for you, Dan, uh, this week in the preseason? Not that comes off the top of my head. I think we've really covered mostly everything. I mean, this was like, well, I will say that I think that, I mean, we're not really talking very much about um, defenses, but the Steelers defense this week looked solid, very solid. Yeah. Um, I think the Titans offense didn't have a first, had what, one first down in the first whole first half of the football game. Um, So to be able to kind of rely on that, it's pretty nice. And, I, and you know what the other thing is, is that people think defense special teams not that big of a deal, not going to score you a lot of fantasy points. But it is a factor in terms of being able to keep your offense on the field and the other team's offense off the field. So the more opportunities you have to have your skill position players out there, like Big Ben, A.B., Lev Bell when he comes back, Juju Smith-Schuster, and James Conner, um, depending on how Lev Bell comes back those first couple weeks, I mean, that's a big deal. And they looked pretty... Uh, pretty nasty against what we thought was going to be a pretty effective Titans um, offense. I mean, Derrick Henry had a couple nice runs here and there, but they bottled up that offense and made Mariota kind of look like an amateur. Yeah, so as as Steelers fans, it was promising to see that. And uh, yeah, so that really wraps up our sort of week three preseason coverage. You know, week four, there's not going to be too much. So, you know, we'll break any news on our podcast. But Dan, with that being said, are you ready to get into some bold not takes? It's bold, Cotton. Let's do it. Bold not takes. All right, it's time to get bold, guys. We're going to go ahead and give our bold not takes for uh, each of the four skill positions. We're going to start off with quarterback. Dan, why don't you give me your bold not take for the quarterback position this year? 
uh, this is going to sound pretty random, um, but I was sitting around thinking about this uh, all weekend, and I mean, I, I think it's easy to go somebody like Derek Carr or somebody like that, but I think this is somebody who really is going to get a uh, jump by the people that are surrounding him, and I am predicting boldly that Eli Manning is going to be ranked within the top 15, if not the top 10 of fantasy quarterbacks at the end of this season, Bob. Ooh, Eli Manning. There's a name from the past, it seems. Right? So, so last year he had a career low in passing yards and had his second lowest touchdown total within his uh, entire career. He's got a new offensive coordinator um, who kind of led Case Keenum into the resurgence of his career. Uh, Case Keenum was a solid quarterback last year in Minnesota. And now um, he's the uh, quarterback's coach, or at least the coach in uh, New York. So I think that's going to make a big impact on the way that Eli Manning plays. The other thing is, is that look at the skill positions that are surrounding him at this point in terms of the difference between last year and this year. Okay, so he's got the number one, number five ranked. Uh, running back right now, Sanquan Barkley. I get it. He's a rookie, um, but he has shown flashes of real talent within the limited scope of the preseason that we've seen. Um, he's not the number three ranked receiver in Odell Beckham, and he's got the number six ranked tight end in Evan Ingram. So that's three top ten skill position players that he's going to be throwing the ball to. And the other thing is, is that the uh, the backup receiver, the number two guy there, Sterling Shepard, pretty solid guy. Um, so he's also got, according to Fantasy Pros, the eighth easiest schedule for quarterbacks. Um, right now, his average draft position is one one sixty seven. He's only owned within. 13% of ESPN leagues, 25% of Yahoo leagues, uh, and he's the number 23 quarterback off the board. So you're thinking about the people that are ahead of him. Who is ha- who is surrounded with that much talent at the skill positions? Running back, receiver, and tight end. Not many people can say that. And here's the thing about Eli Manning: super efficient. Um, he doesn't – I mean he'll throw a bad interception here and there. But the people ahead of him are people like Mahomes, Alex Smith, Dak Prescott, Tyrod Taylor, Derek Carr. I would rather have him in terms of the skill positions at least, not necessarily over Mahomes but over Alex Smith, uh, Dak Prescott. Not a lot of great talent there surrounding him other than Zeke. Tyrod, we like that team this year, and Carr, we like that team this year as well. Um, but I don't think that Amari Cooper is as good as ODB, and I don't think there's anybody in terms of receiving talent that's as good as Odell Beckham. And then you've got Stan Juan Barkley. I think there's just so much talent around there that this year is a year that Eli Manning could have a really kind of a bounce back year, a huge resurgence just based upon the people he's surrounded with. Uh, and my bold prediction is, is that Eli Manning is going to be at least a top 15, if not a top 10 quarterback at the end of this fantasy season. I like it, Dan. Nice and spicy take there to get it started. <laughs> it's a hot take, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got the talent around him. I mean, if, if he's got positional players that are all top 10, by proxy, he he's getting them the ball. So he's got to right. be putting up numbers somehow to get them supported as top 10, top 5 players. And here's the other thing. It's, it's that he's got big play potential players there too. Odell Beckham, great down the field threat. San Juan Barkley can b- b- 
bust a screen pass at any chance, uh, any opportunity. And uh, I mean, I think Ingram, everyone's kind of expecting him to make the leap this year at tight end. And, and Sterling Shepard, I mean, I don't think I can – I don't think that there's maybe a second receiver there that's as good as him, maybe Juju. Um, there's some other pretty good receivers out there, but Sterling Shepard, very solid uh, in terms of a, a number two guy there. So I would expect uh, – and he's got a super easy schedule. So he's going up against you know defenses that are pretty soft. Uh, so why not kind of take take the roll the dice, take a risk on it? I like it, man. Uh, let me move on to to mine. I, I think we're gonna we we teased them earlier, so I'm just gonna read my note here. Tyrod Taylor does it again and takes a team that has not seen the playoffs in 15 plus seasons back to the playoffs. Cleveland's going to get a wild card spot, and Tyrod will hold off Baker Mayfield for the entire year and be a back end wow. and be a back end quarterback one for fantasy football teams this year. Wow! So, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I, I think he's underrated. I think Tyrod is underrated. Yeah, I think the, barring injury, he should play this whole season. Yeah, let, let me read off some stats. So first off. Like you teased earlier, and that's why I didn't want to go too much further into it. Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo Bills, last time they saw the playoffs, 1999. He took them last year. Even after the Buffalo Bills tried not to play Tyrod Taylor, he still got them into the playoffs after that Nate Peterman disaster, that five-interception game. Five inter- yep. Cleveland Browns, last time they went to the playoffs, you want to guess the year? Uh, it's got to be the it's the year that Derek Anderson was the quarterback. So I'm gonna go two thousand and four. Ooh, you're close, Dan. What I got from uh, Pro uh, Pro Football Reference, uh, two thousand and two. So. Basically, almost the same time frame that Buffalo was in the playoffs. I just think he's going to revive some magic again and do it. Let me read off some stats to you. Now, these are not eye-popping stats, but um, you know he roughly averages over the last three years. He plays 14, 15 games, passes for right around 3,000 yards, so not big on the yardage. Uh, probably around like, you know, I've got at, at a high 20 touchdowns at a low 14 last year, but you got to remember he was taken out uh, for a game and, and Buffalo's offense was was rough. He had no skill position players really outside of Shady. They got Kelvin Benjamin later in the season. The one thing, mm-hmm. I, the one thing I like about him, he does not throw interceptions. 2017, four interceptions, 16, he had six, 15, six. So he, wow. doesn't, he doesn't turn the ball over pretty much at all. And one thing he adds, and this is good, especially for those that are four, four point per passing touchdown, he's right around 500, 550, somewhere in that range, rushing yards, and adds another four to six touchdowns on the ground. So, you know, if you just combine his stats over the past three years, he averages roughly around 3,600 yards and right around 23 total touchdowns. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. It's not back-end quarterback one numbers. Here's, sure. why, here's why I think he's going to take the leap. This is easily the best skill position player team that he's ever played for. I cannot disagree with that at all. He's got Jarvis Landry, who's a catch magnet. Josh Gordon sounds like he's coming back, and if he's got his stuff together, he has shown that he can be the number one overall wide receiver in fantasy football. Mm -hmm. They're still kicking the tires, possibly, on Des Bryant to have him as a possible third receiver. I know they like the rookie Callaway, so he could possibly be the third receiver if they don't go with Des. 
You love David Njoku. I'm growing on him as well. And then he's got three running backs that can contribute. He's got position players all over the place. So I think he's going to take that leap to like around 3,500 yards passing, 25 touchdowns. Whoa, that's a jump right there. I'd keep him right around the 550 rushing yards and and keep him at four to six rushing. And and you've got around, you know, closer to 4,000 yards and closer to 30 combined touchdowns. And I think that's going to help him make that leap to a back-end quarterback one. Here's another person I think a lot of people are sleeping on is Carlos Hyde. Like, Carlos Hyde is in that offense, and I think the fact that a lot of people saw them draft Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson's a decent, pretty good third down back. People kind of are saying that, yeah, Carlos Hyde's kind of an afterthought. Like, he's just kind of holding his spot for Nick Chubb to kind of um, come in and just kind of take this offense over. Um, but I think if you've been watching the Browns preseason games, which, you know, where I am, I, I get to see a lot of them. He's been he's been really solid. I mean, he's had like at least I, I would I want to guess. I know he's had touchdowns in multiple games and is getting up to close to 50 yards within the first couple of series that he's playing. So, I mean, he has been solid and he was solid there in San Francisco. Yep. So there's no reason to think he can't be as good, if not better than he was, especially if think about who he was there with San Francisco with. He's also never been surrounded by this much receiving talent and stuff like that. Um, geez, this is starting to sound like a Cleveland Browns radio network <laughs> broadcast here, Bob. <laughs> These last couple of weeks, geez. The people might, might start taking away our uh, zip code if they keep hearing this. Yeah, I, I might uh, have to tear down my Steeler memorabilia <laughs> here, it sounds like. but So there you got it. Uh, we've got Eli Manning and Tyrod Taylor as our bold not takes for the quarterback position. Dan, do you mind if I kick off the running back one? Because this one, this is like when, this is like when you bite into a piping hot pizza and the cheese burns the roof of your mouth. That's how hot <laughs> this one's gonna be. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I know uh, everybody's high on him, but I'm calling Alvin Kamara to remind me of C.J. Spiller. And what I mean by that is he goes from oh, having boy. he goes from having an RB one performance as like a complete supernova in a crowded backfield. Yep. And he drops out of the top 15. Dang! That, that is bold. So, Especially considering the draft position he's going these days. Yeah, I mean, this is why we call it bold. I mean, and the thing that sort of sparked this in my mind is I was on Twitter just interacting on, on just like a feed that was out about Alvin Kamara. And uh, the gentleman just had some concerns about him. And I just threw out there... By any chance, does he remind you at all of C.J. Spiller? And, and the guy responded with, never thought of it, but you, you might have a good point. And and let me just say, Alvin Kamara is super talented, but I thought the same exact thing about Spiller. Now, let me give you the comparisons here. And C.J. Sort of, Spiller was your keeper at one time yep. during your fantasy football career, so I can understand where you're maybe coming from. On this. Here, here's the measurables. C.J. Spiller, 71 inches tall, 196 pounds. And I think I've got Kamara at 70 inches, but 214 pounds. So a little bit heavier, uh, probably can take a little bit more of a beating, but right around the same sort of uh, body frame. In 2012, and this is the year that sold me on C.J. Spiller, Spiller played 16 games. He only started nine because people forget Fred Jackson was also productive in that offense. Mm-hmm. In that season, 207 rushes for 1,244 yards, six touchdowns. 
43 receptions for 459 yards, two touchdowns. He had 1,700 yards and eight total touchdowns. He finished in our league, the number seven overall fantasy football running back. <laughs> and that's that's pretty wild to think about. Yep. I mean, I, I would never have pegged that as actually happening. So, okay, go yep. on. And here's Kamara's stat line last year. 16 games. He started three because, remember, there's Peterson and Ingram. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Ingram and he, once they got rid of Peterson, you know, even though he wasn't listed as a starter, he was playing just as much. 120 rushes for 728 yards, eight touchdowns. Here, I mean, here's the difference maker for him. 81 receptions for 826 yards and five touchdowns. 1,554 total yards and 13 touchdowns. He finished in our league as the number four overall running back. Yep. I'm just thinking, could it be that this was the peak and he turns into a C.J. Spiller and Spiller's next year, so the year after I kept him in our league. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, what were the numbers? <laughs> 15 games. He started 10 of them. Pretty much the same rushing totals. 202 rushes compared to 207 the year before. He dropped all the way down to 933 yards. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns on the ground. Here's where it gets nasty. (laughs) 33 receptions for 185 yards, zero touchdowns. He went from 700 total, 1,700 total yards and eight touchdowns to 1,100 total yards and two touchdowns, finishing as the number 24 running back in our league. Drop off, (laughs) man. So I mean, would I be surprised if I'm absolutely totally wrong on this? Absolutely not. But this is called bold not takes, and, sure. and I'm calling it out. He's going to remind me and put a performance up like C.J. Spiller, and you know I thought Spiller was a can't miss, and I think everybody thinks Kamara's a can't miss. But just throwing out some caution there. There's some similarities to the build, the type of season they had, uh, etc. So that's that's my bold not take from the running back position. There, there absolutely is. I, I, I can, I mean, I can't believe how similar the numbers are on that, but. I mean, do you think that maybe the overall offense maybe helps Kamara a little bit here? I mean, they have – I mean, who were the receivers on that? TJ Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods, I think. Were uh, the... Wow, God, 2012. What was his name? Oh, uh, He dropped the touchdown in the end zone against the Steelers that cost them the game. I remember that. <laughs> um, I mean – I'll look that up while you're talking, Dan. I, was it Careless Price? I think he was on the team, but it wasn't him. But let me, let me look it up for you. So I think – I mean, I can see where you're coming from, but I think that maybe the overall offense will support Kamara a little bit more where he doesn't necessarily have to be the same focal point that C.J. Spiller was at the time. Um, but no, I, I think there has to be a little bit of a fall off. The other thing is, is that you have to think about Kamara in terms of um, what other sample size do you have from where you got him right now. He's a rookie. This is his second season in the league. So, I mean, I don't think anyone was really ready for Kamara to come out. I know we weren't because no one even drafted us in our in our league of record. Uh, I mean, and whenever someone said his name in the Dynasty League, both you and I, at least in our first season, were kind of like, who was that? Yep. Who are they talking about? Uh, so I could definitely see some potential fall off there. Uh, and, geez, to go from – uh, an unknown to the number four ranked running back, at least in our league. And that's a huge, huge jump. And I think people are kind of – I think Kamara last year kind of gave the rookie class this year the pump up that they've got. 
Uh, and you've seen a bunch of those guys kind of flame out a little bit. I think the best one so far has been Royce Freeman and maybe Carry On Johnson, but those other guys have not really lived up to the hype that Kamara has set for them. And Dan, the wide receiver, Stevie Johnson. Stevie Johnson. <laughs> so, yeah, th- so that's my running back take. Um, like I said, wouldn't be surprised if I'm totally wrong, but that's why they call him bold take. So, Dan, sure. who, do you, who do you got as your running back? Uh, I actually had two prepared because I thought that we were going to – there was a potential – that we were going to name the same person. Uh, So I'll briefly go over uh, both of them. The first one is, I think, somebody who could potentially finish as a top 15 back and somebody who everyone has kind of written off completely because of one of these big-time rookie draft picks, and that's Chris Carson out of Seattle. Uh, He's barely getting... Um, drafted. It, it, at least now he's at least getting some love. But I know whenever we first started doing mocks and stuff like that, he was a complete afterthought. Right. And in the ESPN league that we use, uh, they have the player projections and stuff like that. And up until I think two days ago, they had him at three. And now they finally recognize, okay, he's nine. Um, and no one was taking him. No one was taking him. Everyone was taking Penny. Everyone expected Penny to kind of be the um, instantly come in and be the lead rack. And if you think about it, this is only Chris Carson's number two year in the league. And in the four games that he played last year, he averaged 4.77 yards per touch. And that's a nice number. Uh, he put on 10 pounds in the offseason. Uh, everyone's talking about how explosive he's been in camp. Um, and accordingly to like Roto World and all of the kind of. Uh, news sources out there he's the bell cow now he's the number one guy it's his spot to lose he's earned the spot uh and i think most recently at least in the game that they just had he had 26 yards and one td on the ground with two catches and 20 yards and that was in the limited role that he played within the most recent seattle game um the other thing is is that you hear like nothing good about penny at all in terms of coming out of camp or anything like that. Uh, he's got the injury. Uh, there was the potential he was going to miss week one. And then after that, <laughs> you hear the news that he's gained 16 pounds since he's been in camp. And no one has treated that as a good thing. Everyone has treated that as a bad thing. <laughs> yep. So it doesn't sound like he's done. Um, like It's not like a... Um, like, it doesn't seem like it's, like, muscle or anything like that. Um, so I think that people are sleeping on him. And last year, I mean, he was the rookie last year. He jumped people like Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls to get into the um, – starting position last year until he broke his leg and then he had a knee injury and then he was kind of an afterthought and everybody's like all right well they moved on um but i think you need to be aware that um chris carson is there he's a starter uh don't sleep on him the other person that i was going to talk about was uh christian mccaffrey and i expect him to be a uh top five running back this season i like it i like it and let me i mean you and i big fans of this guy uh not only because of the amount of touches i mean we talked about this last week about the news saying this is how many touches i think 20 25 touches a game um and how great has he looked in the preseason 
Um, but if you look at the rundown of the people he would have to jump, this is just off of ESPN rankings. Uh, so I think right now he is ranked the number 11 running back in ESPN. Yep. Uh, so he'd have to get up to that top five. He'd have to jump Barkley, Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, terrible quarterback, in my opinion, despite <laughs> everything we've said. Uh, he'll be the focal point of the offense. So I expect him to see a lot of stacked boxes. So uh, maybe potentially not as much as you would expect on the return of that draft pick. Uh, Dalvin Cook, possibly in the timeshare. Now, based upon how good Latavius Murray has looked in the preseason, maybe they don't need to lean on Dalvin that much. And there's also potentially some injury concern. Um, Melvin Gordon. I can't really say much bad stuff about Melvin Gordon other than I think Christian McCaffrey, better receiver than Melvin Gordon. Yeah. And uh, Kareem Hunt, rookie quarterback, maybe doesn't get the same level of play that he got out of Alex Smith. And uh, Kamara, you hit on that. Who knows what's going to happen in that? And he's in a timeshare with Mark Ingram. When Ingram comes back, he's shown to be a serviceable running back. The other person there is... San Juan Barkley, uh, rookie running back. No one really knows what to expect for them. So if I am looking for him to make a jump over those players, given the preseason, given the fact that he's got the 14th easiest schedule, given the fact that age like CJ Anderson's brought in, but I think he has been brought in as a pure backup because they want to give McCaffrey as much play as they can. Which um, is smart. <laughs> I mean, exactly. He's, he's dynamic. I mean, he had five weeks as a running back one, eight weeks as RB one or two, uh, and was basically the number 24 ranked wide receiver in overall fantasy based upon his last year receiving numbers, 113 targets. Uh, I, I just expect him to be better than he was. This is his rookie season. That's his rookie season stats, Bob. So you're telling me that a year more of working with him and Cam Newton and let's think about the other skill positions on that team. No one's really in love with Devin Funches, despite uh, four, seven, eight ones. Love of him. Um, and along with Greg Olson, there's not really much there. So this offense is going to go through Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, and I expect him to make a huge jump this year. I think he's going to be a top five back. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen, I, I don't think I'm wrong. Uh, I have nothing but agreeance uh, on that call. I mean, I, I could see it happening. His receiving alone gives him such a comfortable floor. And if he can show that he can run the ball like he has been this preseason, I think it's well within his, his possible reach at this point. I, I want to throw something out here. When I was doing my research, I found a really cool and fun um, kind of back and forth uh, debate about players from the fantasy footballers. And it's called the fantasy court series that they throw out. And uh, it was basically giving a <laughs> opening statement, evidence and a closing statement about a fantasy player. Uh, I, I would recommend anybody who uh, is doing their research, check that out. It's really fun. It's really cool. Uh, and something that kind of plays close to kind of my view on things. So uh, definitely check that out from the fantasy football or something really fun that I found within the last week or so. Awesome. Hey, Dan, why don't you move on and take the lead? What's your wide receiver bold not take? Oh, boy. This is somebody that you and I love, Bob. <laughs> this is somebody that I was trying to trade for earlier today, Bob. Oh, boy. And uh, it's Tyreek Hill. 
Uh, I expect him to be a top five wide receiver this year. Currently ranked uh, number 13 in the ESPN, having a huge preseason, clearly the number one receiver in Kansas City. Uh, huge play potential. And he finally has, not to say Alex Smith didn't have a huge arm or couldn't throw down the field because he, threw, he showed he could do that last year. But I think this year with Mahomes, they're more inclined to kind of set it loose and kind of show you what Tyreek Hill can do on the field. Um, so he's been in, this is his third year in the league. So first year in the league, wide receiver 25. Last and that, and that was and Dan and I think people forget he was like he made that what you said twenty fifth overall yeah yeah as basically a gadget player so it, he showed his it, flashes as a he wasn't even prepped as a wide receiver there's a lot of running and sweeps and stuff like that so I mean it's amazing the type of athlete this guy is so the other thing is is that I was looking at Tyreek Hill's stats. He was taken in the third round out of some random school. And, you know, he was like pretty much like, I don't think really he was on anyone's radar in terms of fantasy until he showed up and kind of showed you uh, the physical freak that he is. I've actually, in the research, I've seen uh, two nicknames. One side called him the Cheetah, and the other one called him Ty Freak. That's pretty <laughs> cool. I think I preferred Ty Freak. But, um, but 2016, the number 25 ranked wide receiver. Uh, 2017. Listen to this jump up. The number nine ranked wide receiver. Yeah. Look at that jump. Yeah. Twenty five to nine. Yep. Um. I mean, that is a huge jump. I mean, he has a tough schedule. He does have a tough schedule. Thirty two. Um. But here, let's let's play a little blind resume here, if you don't mind. Oh, well. a little impromptu. Yeah. Let me throw you. Let me throw you something. Okay. Yep. Uh. 2017 stats. 163 targets, 101 receptions, 1,533 yards, nine touchdowns. Average reception length of 15.2 yards. Who do you think that is? 101 receptions, 1533, and nine touchdowns. Mm-hmm. It's Boy. somebody that you love, Bob. I was going to say... It... It's not Mike Thomas because the touchdowns aren't there. Is it Devontae Adams? No. It's actually somebody that you and I have very close to our heart these days. Uh, and always, it's A.B. That's Antonio Brown last ah, season. Ah, wow. Yeah, That's I Antonio mean... Brown last season. Here's the other thing. No rushing attempts. 14 games played. Long touchdown reception of 57 yards. Okay. So, I get it. Uh, now, let me give you the 2017 Tyreek Hill stats. 105 targets, not nearly as high as AB. 75 receptions, 1,183 yards, seven touchdowns, average length of 15.8 yards per reception, 15 games played, so one more game than AB, a long touchdown of 79 yards. But then this too, 17 rushes, 59 yards. Three rushing tees in 2016. No rushing tees last year, but they're there from 2016. So you know he has it kind of in the tank there. Yep. So this is his year two. This is his year two. That is the uh, potential that he has just in year two. Now he's got a little bit more of a receiver. Now he's got a little bit more of um, a little bit more talent around him. Uh, cause he's got Sammy Watkins there in other, in, in 
you know, Kelsey has already, already been there. But I really think this year, with the quarterback who's going to push down the field, it's going to make him just kind of shine even brighter than he was before. So uh, I expect him to, to make a huge jump this year from that number nine spot into the top five. Yeah, and he's we talked about it the other day. He's been in peppered with targets. He is he is the number one wide receiver. I'm not scared of Sammy Watkins at all. So I really and, like and he's that ranked, call. He's ranked number 13, and here's the guys he'd have to jump. Stephon Diggs, new quarterback. Doug Baldwin, injury concerns. T.Y. Hilton, luck just getting back into his mix. Uh, Mike Evans, Winston gone for the first couple weeks. Um, Devontae Adams. Okay, there's not really much to complain about with Devontae Adams, but you don't get any kind of rushing attack with him. A.J. Green, not much to complain about with him, but you get no rushing attack with him. Keenan Allen has a little bit of injury concerns. And Michael Thomas, Drew Brees has had some down years um, and no rushing attack. So I think you're getting a little bit of a dual threat there with Tyreek Hill. Um, So I can't see – I don't see any reason why he can't jump those guys who are ahead of him right now. I like it, and we would really like if that happens for our our own personal preference. No kidding, right? So let me move on to mine. And this is a guy called a Rip Van Winkle sleeper, somebody I believe in. And Nelson Aguilar is going to completely Wally Pip Alshon Jeffrey and emerge (laughs) as the true number one wide receiver in Philly. Aguilar jumps into the top 15 in fantasy wide receivers, while Jeffrey falls to a low-end wide receiver three that deals with injuries the entire year. So I I was high on this guy even when we started doing this podcast, Dan. Um, If you look at a comparison of their stats from last year, they're basically mirror images. Alshon Jeffrey, 120 targets, 57 receptions, so poor catch percentage. Oh, dog's in the back. Yeah, sorry, buddy. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, 57 receptions, 789 yards, and nine touchdowns. Nelson Aguilar, 95 targets for 62 receptions, 768 yards, and eight touchdowns. So with less target share, he had more catches, pretty much the same yards and touchdowns. Already starting off this year, Alshon Jeffrey, not sure if he's going to be ready for week one. I, I know that the head coach Peterson has shot down the possibility of the PUP, but let's say he goes on that. That's six weeks right off the bat that Alshon Jeffrey is not in the fold. I just really think that Aguilar, who has some health concerns right now himself, but I think he'll be ready for week one. I just think he showed that he can become a very reliable receiver for that team. He already mirrored the stats that Alshon put up. And with Alshon's um, injury history. Yeah, I just think that there is room for Aguilar to take that next step up. you got to remember, he's at the end of his rookie contract, so he's playing for a big contract. So if we believe Carson Wentz is going to come back and that Philly offense is supposed to be one of the elite offenses, I just really think there's a chance for uh, Aguilar to make that jump. And in our league last year, uh, just the way we score, he was the number 20 overall wide receiver. So if he ups those uh, receptions, yards, and I'd even like the touchdowns to stay the same. If they don't jump, that's fine. But if he can get up to like 850, 900 yards and maybe 70 receptions, he pushes right into that top 15 for me. So I don't think it's very much of a long shot and I think he becomes the number one for Philly and gets rewarded this offseason with a nice contract yeah I really think that people were expecting Alshon Jeffrey to be there and be the number one but he's been hurt and he had surgery in the offseason so I, I don't really know like when is he coming back and it could be Aguilar as the number one for quite a while I mean you don't know how that injury is going to play out so 
I, I don't see any reason why that could not be uh, accurate, my man. All right. And then, so that comes Tyreek Hill and Nelson Aguilar are part of our bold takes for the wide receiver. And Dan, I'm going to close out the uh, bold not takes with the tight end. And Jordan Reed does the unthinkable. He'll play 14 games for the first time no since way. since 2015, no and he's going to finish. No he's going to finish as a top three tight end. I mean, I could I could definitely see him finishing as a top three tight end if he plays that many games. But there's just no way that I can see him playing that many <laughs> games. Like, there's like just it's just not happening. So l- let me go over some stats that I'm. That means I'm he done. only misses two games the whole year. Yeah. Like there's there's no way that happens. Yep, and that's why, like I said, the first time since 2015. So let me give you some <laughs> so, some supporting stats for this. So. From 2014 to 2017, Alex Smith, who is now the quarterback of the Washington Redskins, played with Travis Kelsey. In those four years, Kelsey finished as tight end two, one, eight, nine. So every year he's climbed. 2014 was nine, 15, eight, 16, one, 17, two. This is in our league of record. Mm-hmm. He averaged with Alex Smith a little under 108 targets. 70 we'll just say 77 receptions 975 yards and five and a half touchdowns last year in our league of record the number three tight end zach Ertz, 110 targets 74 receptions 824 yards and eight touchdowns he finishes the third 2015 jordan reed 114 targets 87 receptions 952 yards 11 touchdowns in the following year he only played 12 games so he had 89 targets, 66 receptions, 686 yards, six touchdowns. In those two years, he finished tight end four and tight end nine in our league. Alex Smith loves to go to the tight end. He's, yeah, got, he a, he's got another athletic one in Jordan Reed. It's all health-based. So I'm calling it 14 games. He finishes as a top three tight end uh, for fantasy football. If, if he plays more than 12 games, I will buy you a beer the next time we're around each other. <laughs> oh, uh, there's there's uh, no – I just can't see – like if he – like. Trust me, I hope he does because he's on my team. If I can get 14 games out of him, boy, I will be thrilled. But I'm fully expecting uh, to keep that IR position open <laughs> simply for the fact that I'm moving Jordan Reed there a couple times this season. Because when he plays, he is fantastic. I mean, he's got so much talent. But the other thing is, is that he just can't seem to be to stay healthy. I mean, it's not his fault. It's a tough game. It's rough on the body, but. Uh, you know, if there is a chance that he can actually keep that going, uh, I would love it because he's my tight end on our league of record team. So, That's uh, so but I'll, I don't have high hopes on that. I just wrote down on my sheet beer with an underline. So I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right, Dan. Who, so, so noted, Bob. Who is your tight end? And let's close up the bold not takes with your tight end. Bold this take. is somebody that we have never talked about, never talked about since we've been doing this. Uh, but it's somebody who, like, when I'm waiting on tight end, it's somebody that I keep calling back to, not even to, like, necessarily draft, but kind of throw in the queue to say, if I need somebody, I feel pretty confident that I can go to this guy and get a nice amount of um, actual draft value and point value out of this. Uh, and that's Benjamin Watson. Ooh, the throwback. Right. I know. Trust me. Uh, he's old. 
He's older. He's 37 years old. Um, but here's the thing. He played every single game last season. Yep. His stat line was 69 receptions, 522 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, basically, if you went back and looked at where he was ranking, he was basically a tight end two um, every week. Uh, and my bold take is that at the end of this season, he'll be a top 10 tight end, Bob. Nice. Uh, and it's very, very plausible because who is he playing with right now? Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean. And here's the thing is that the last time that he played on this New Orleans team, 2015. Yep. And, you, and if you looked back at where he finished that season, where was he? Take a guess. Take a random guess. Uh, six. Actually, you were very close. He was the number seven ranked tight end yep. in fantasy. Yep. Uh, then he left, went to Baltimore, and uh, took a step back with Flacco as his quarterback. Um, but, I mean, I went and looked at – he's someone who keeps popping up on Roto World as somebody that, like, he's having a decent camp and he looks great. Um, Mark Ingram said that he looks better in terms of athleticism than most of the younger guys. They said that he still looks like he's <laughs> – He's got it. He's in the prime of his career at the age of 37. Um, he's got a good report from Breeze. Um, that year that he was in um, New Orleans, he was had 14 red zone targets. That was only behind um, the running back and Michael Thomas. So he's at least one of the red zone targets there. He's in the consideration of – um, someone whose Breeze is looking at. He's the clear-cut number one. There's no one else there who's going to overtake him. Um, and I think last year, Drew Breeze kind of had a down year in terms of throwing touchdown passes. And we expect him to kind of back, bounce back and see a little bit more of the Drew Breeze that we expect to see. And I just this is one of the things I like to do. I'd like to look at where he's sitting and who he would have to jump to get to where we're talking about. Yep. Uh, so right now he's the number 18th ranked tight end on um, ESPN. So he'd have to jump Austin Seffrin Jenkins, who was I mean unproven. He's with the Jaguars. Uh, terrible on the Jets. Um, I can I, I don't see him having an issue jumping in. Uh, Cameron Brait, timeshare with OJ Howard. Yeah, I think I would agree. You would agree with me that we expect OJ Howard to have a better season this year than he had last year and kind of jump Braid at some point. Yep, I agree. Uh, Charles Clay, good with Tyrod, but who's the QB there right now? No one knows. As you say this, I'm watching Josh Allen just get bounced off the turf today. <laughs> like it's it's it just happened on the TV. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, Tyler Eifert, injury risk. Uh, there's a potential that he's not even going to play. Uh, George Kittle, don't really have much bad to say at him, other than maybe there's some uncertainty in terms of um, the new offense and stuff like that. Yep. All right, he'd have to jump Ninjoku, who I love. Um, <laughs> but uh, QB could be questionable. Like, we know Tyrod, like you said, likes to throw the QB, but does Tyrod stay healthy? Is Baker Mayfield going to be pushed there? Are people going to feel the pressure to have Mayfield play? So, you know, maybe the lack of certainty there maybe allows Ben to make the jump there. Jack Doyle, never really been thrilled with him as a uh, fantasy option. And Andrew Lux there, same reason that I have a little bit of uh, concern about T.Y. But that is a great name, Jack Doyle. Jack Jack Doyle. <laughs> And then Jordan Reed, injury risk. Yep. Jimmy Graham, uh, nobody thinks he's going to be good this year. Everyone expects him to be a bust. Uh, Burton could be great, but 
a little bit question there about Trubisky and Kyler Rudolph. Uh, I mean, everyone just kind of looks at him as uh, like kind of a TB de- TD dependent um, tight end. So no one there is thrilling me uh, in terms of uh, jumping out at me, maybe other than Njoku or Burton. But I definitely feel like uh, as long as Ben Watson kind of stays within the flow of the offense, that he definitely could have a bounce back here and potentially land, uh, land himself there in the top 10 of tight ends there, Bob. Man, I like the call. Uh, this is why we call it Bold Not Takes. And, and that wraps it up. Dan gave a great one to, to wrap it up. So we look forward to hearing any feedback that you guys have. Do you believe in anything uh, that we said? Do you think we're within reason? Uh, we like to hear the feedback on Twitter and Instagram at NotTakesFF. And Dan, let's go ahead now and do the recap of our um, best ball league that we sponsored with Ryan at the Fantasy Football Life. Let's do it. Best ball discussion. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you will remember him from our best ball discussion a few podcast episodes ago. We're bringing back on Ryan O'Connell from the Fantasy Football Life. We just did a co-branded best ball draft that we're going to break down with him. Ryan, you're here with Dan and Bob. How you doing, buddy? Doing very well, guys. Thanks for having me back. Oh, well, thanks for coming back, my man. Yeah, I know this was something that we had mentioned on the Best Ball podcast that we did, that we were going to do a co-branded Best Ball draft, and it's finally here. So we definitely want to get your input on that. Um, For all of our listeners, you're also going to find a YouTube video on this Best Ball draft at Ryan's YouTube channel. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners about that YouTube channel again and where they can find the content that you're going to drop on the Best Ball draft. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we're doing a co-production. We're collaborating here. I'm going to be producing a YouTube video so you guys can actually see the teams we're talking about and get your own perspective on who drafted the best teams and where all these guys went. You can go check that out at my YouTube channel, uh, which is the Fantasy Football Life, or you can find me on Twitter at drafting underscore king. Either way, I'll be posting that video on Twitter as well as YouTube. And Ryan, just before we get into it, I know uh, just talking with you recently, uh, you're doing a partnership with uh, another site and another production. Do you want to go ahead and share that information as well? Absolutely. I'm very honored to actually be partnered with FFD 260. And what happened was I met Aaron in the King of the Draft League that I'm doing. And I reached out to him. I was like, I'm a big fan of what you guys got established with your website and all that. And they're primarily focused on Dynasty. But what Aaron's trying to do, he's trying to diversify and let everyone know that they're covering all aspects of fantasy football, redraft, best ball, and trying to get as much coverage out there with podcasts and YouTube. So I'm just helping cover the YouTube format for them, doing a couple writings here and there and collaborating when we can. So I'm very excited to be part of that team. Oh, that's great news, man, and I'm uh, happy for you. I know we had talked about it uh, over the past couple of weeks, and uh, who knows, maybe down the road, uh, Dan and I might be able to join you guys and collaborate and work on some other things as well with you. Absolutely, yeah. I know uh, Aaron was talking about rebranding uh, their brand next year and expanding even more, and I know they're going to be looking for writers and just trying to look for quality people to help grow that brand. So you guys would definitely be two excellent picks to join our team. Oh, thanks, man. Hey, congrats on that. That's awesome. That, uh, 
the the new collaboration and stuff like that uh much congrats to you man that's awesome and so all the hard work's paying off for you for sure absolutely yeah i just honestly i just got really lucky i had i met a great group of connections and i've got to work with some amazing people i actually just did a podcast with fantasy couch was which was very nerve-wracking for me because i look up to the guy he's got so many subscribers but that was awesome and just all the connections i met through my king of the draft has been amazing Awesome. So let's go ahead now and get into the discussion about the best ball draft. And I'm just going to throw it around the horn here before we break down other teams. Dan, why don't we start? What did you think about your team overall? Uh, I think I uh, my biggest concern about my team is that I waited a little bit too long for quarterback. It is not very deep. I mean, I like Jimmy G, but we had concerns that maybe he's going to be a bust this year. Obviously, I like Derek Carr because, you know, I talked him up in our uh, Rip Van Winkles and Billy Busterman's conversation, but uh, I, I don't, I'm not thrilled with those guys. Um, but I was pretty excited when I got Travis Kelsey where I did because I definitely uh, could not worry about quarter, tight end very much and then kind of fill out the other positions. I'm um, happy with my team. Not thrilled with it, but I definitely got a lot of upside, and I'm hoping my quarterback kind of flourish here a little bit uh, so I can be a little bit more competitive than I think I could be. And Ryan, actually, why don't you... I'm actually, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I'm taking a look at it right now, and uh, overall it's very solid. I mean, uh, your running back core... Uh, you got Dante Freeman, J.H.I., Rex Burkhead, and Tree Cohen, all solid running backs, especially in a half-point PPR. And your concerns at quarterback, you got Jimmy G and Derek Carr. They're not going to be the super elite quarterbacks, but should be very solid and produce some decent numbers for you. You know, a little give and take. Right. Uh, my, my hope is that maybe Jimmy G's got a great week. Maybe Derek Carr's got a week after that. So, I mean, it's kind of uh, – I'm playing a little dangerously there. There, but uh, I think the biggest surprise that came across uh, my screen on whenever I was picking is how late I got Rex Burkhead, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's up for debate right now how much he'll be utilized, especially with uh, Sony Michelle's injury. So sure. that could be a great steal for you. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and give your in th- uh, insights on your team. What, what were your general thoughts, feelings as you completed the draft uh, with your team? Yeah, so I, I'm actually doing a piece on why I think Alvin Kamara could be the top scoring fantasy producer in your PP, PPR formats. So to be able to get him with the eighth overall pick, I was so ecstatic. Like, I'm, I'm so high on Alvin Kamara this year. It, I was very happy to get him number one overall. And then uh, just try to balance my team. Was able to snag Keenan Allen after that, follow that up with Zach Ertz, and then just a balancing act. Overall, I think I did very well. Great running back, wide receiver core. And I was able to snag Adrian Peterson super late in the draft. which Really late. Yeah, he was my fifth running back off the board, which could add some serious sleeper value to my team. So I'm excited about that. See how that pans out for sure. And that's been huge fantasy news the last couple of days here. Uh, Kind of him going out there and then, I mean, pretty much after one workout, they saw him and they signed him to a contract. And 
uh, it makes me wonder maybe, I mean, the guys who are in this league uh, that we just did know their stuff pretty well, just maybe uh, didn't even occur to them because maybe he's not really showing up on draft boards until either today or the last maybe day or so. Yeah, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that news broke the day after we completed our League of Record draft. Yep. He's he's on the waiver wire unless somebody already grabbed him. I haven't checked yet today, actually. Yeah, so I mean, that might be somebody to definitely look at, and especially in a best ball league where you don't have to worry about when to play him, just if he has a monster breakout game or if he takes over that role, he's just going to automatically get placed in your lineup. So great pick on that one. Yeah, I was so stoked to get him. And then, uh, like I said, I, I feel very confident with my team overall. I felt like I was definitely targeting the right players at the right time, and the draft just kind of fell into place for me. So, Yeah, I was really uh, – I was debating to go Kamara or – I took – I was the number seven pick, and I took Antonio or Brown right before you. I think maybe a little bit of the homer in me took over, but – uh, you know, I, I'd ha- I'm happy that I, I got Antonio Brown. Anytime I get my favorite player on my favorite team, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I, I think Kamara, I agree with you, is going to be a stud this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, grabbing Antonio at seven, you can't be mad about that. Obviously. <laughs> sure. I mean, ideally, you, you want one of those elite running backs to help solidify your running back core. But Antonio at number seven, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, so just a little insight on my team. Um, I felt like... Outside of my first pick, I felt like I kept getting players that I wasn't targeting, that they were just there and they were more of the best available players. So I was in the three slot and I was able to get Le'Veon Bell, which I'm ecstatic with. Um, You know, him and Zeke and Todd Gurley flipped them all around and you're going to be happy with any of them. Um, When it came back around second round, AJ Green, which I was happy with, I think he has a big bounce back year. And then third, Rob Gronkowski. So, you know, I normally like to wait on tight ends, but the value was just there to take Rob Gronkowski. But I think after that point, I kept felt like I was just, okay, well, he's here. I'm going to take him. And, sure. and it felt like it took like four rounds to get out of that funk. So I'm, I'm happy with my team. Um, I feel like I'm a little just top heavy at running back. I need someone like Carrion Johnson to really step up this year in Detroit to help solidify my running back core. So after that, I mean, with getting Brady and Gronk earlier in the drafts, I normally take them. I just basically loaded up on depth and running back and wide receivers. So, uh, you know, I really need one of my other six running backs to help complement Le'Veon Bell, or uh, I could be in a little trouble if that doesn't happen. Well, they were talking about Peyton Peyton Barber being a starting running back in Tampa Bay. So if that pans out like the coach is talking about, like that could be great value for you there. But I do see what you're talking about. I mean, Le'Veon, Kirion Johnson as your starting two running backs, that's a little scary. But like you said, in these best ball leagues, if someone like Peyton Barber starts taking over that starting role, could add a lot of value to your team. And in that same vein, because Peyton Barber's kind of getting pushed by the rookie there, uh, who from all the news that I think we've all seen is not really endearing himself to the team in terms of I think he has more carries than yards or something like that at this point. I saw something like that on Twitter. Uh, the fact that you are relying on on Johnson to kind of come around, because he's a rookie himself, but I think he's the best back out of the group that's there in Detroit right now. 
uh, in terms of fantasy um, stats and wise things like that, uh, you can kind of hope that Peyton Barber has a nicer first half of the season and then Kerryon Johnson just kind of fills in from there, Bob. That's where how I can see it. Yeah, and, and Dan, that's pretty much the, the way I felt. I, I sort of felt, like I said, for about four to five rounds there that – I would really be reaching on players. Um, so I just sort of took the best available approach for, for a while there. So, um, you know, probably could have done a little better on running backs, but, um, you know, it is what it is. You, know, you sort of yep. play these things out, and I don't have to worry about the lineup like we've talked about and hope that, you know, my other running backs are pretty much going to be, hey, if an injury occurs, I could be looking at starters, but you can never bank on that. So I, I felt okay. Um, this wasn't the best. Um Best ball drafted uh, I've done, but you know we'll see how it plays out. I love doing these things. I'll be honest with you. I, I like we did. We had our league record draft uh, this past weekend, Ryan, and we were sitting around just kind of hanging out and you know watching TV and stuff like that. And uh, it seemed like every like half hour or so, someone's like, "Do you guys just want to do a best ball draft?" And everyone instantly was like, "Yeah." I mean, these things are great, especially if you're doing some draft practice, and it's just a way to kind of keep drafting and keep working with the players and stuff like that, but you actually have something riding on it as opposed to just kind of getting an email afterwards. I, I love this stuff. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. It's uh, something that's become a big part of my uh, draft prep and stuff like that since we did our first best ball draft uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're quick and easy to do, and like you said, having you know some skin in the game will yep. produce more accurate results. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's definitely going to help more than a mock draft where halfway through the mock, you know, everyone's on auto draft. And- yeah, just dropping. Sure. So, Ryan, just wanted to get your thoughts overall. Was there any team that stood out in a positive way? Somebody that maybe had a rough draft? Any players that were picked too early, too late? Just general synopsis uh, from what you saw as the draft unfolded. Uh, shoot. Honestly... Yeah, I I didn't like your take on uh, on Tom Brady. To be honest, I, you know, me and you have we have very similar thought process with our drafting, and I I felt like you kind of reached for Tom Brady at a quarterback when you could have snagged someone like Kirk Cousins or Matt Stafford and kind of helped your team overall there, Bob. Yeah, and and you make a great point, and and I think that he was in that range where I just was sort of looking at the draft board and not liking what I saw. Um, You know, in a regular draft, am I taking Tom Brady? Probably not. But I just felt like in that seventh round where I grabbed him, there just wasn't much I liked. Um, Probably looking back on it, I could have probably found um, a running back of sorts that I could have probably took as maybe like a third, fourth type of running back. So uh, I I agree with you. Uh, That was in that phase. I just did not like the draft the way it was falling towards me. Yeah, and that that can be the tough thing about it. It's like you don't see anyone that really excites you, so you just go revert back to the best available. But someone who definitely reached uh, was a player by the name of Eslade. He decided to take Marshawn Lynch over players like Tariq Cohen and Alex Collins, who were available at the time. And even though everyone's very excited for Marshawn Lynch to have a bounce back year, I think that was a big reach on his part. Yeah, so I saw him go back into the third round, and honestly, that was a guy that... 
I was looking at maybe fifth round to pair with Le'Veon Bell. If it had to be in the fourth, so be it. Um, so I, th- I, I was surprised third round when I saw him go off. I, I wasn't expecting it to be that early as well. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting there waiting for Alex Collins to uh, fall to me, and I knew he needed another running back, and I was like, I was like, crap, he's going to draft Alex Collins, and I'm going to have to, you know, change up my strategy, and he took Marshawn Lynch. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, Alex Collins sat there for a while, too. It seemed like uh, he, it seems like no one was really a huge Alex Collins fan, and uh, he almost seemed like an afterthought there for a while. Yeah, with a good strength of schedule and should be the starting running back for the Ravens with a good defense behind him, uh, sign me up for Alex Collins here. Yeah, and I'm I'm taking a look at uh, some of these teams, and one team that really stands out to me that I'm actually a fan of, uh, other than obviously my own team, but, you know, that's a little self-biased there, but uh, J.W. Nolan, 24, uh, put together a very solid team. He's got Sean Watson and Marcus Mariota as his QBs, and then his running back core consists of Christian McCaffrey, Kenyon Drake, Gio Bernard. Um, and then looking at his wide receivers, he's got Odell, Mari Cooper, Sammy Watkins, Julian Edelman, Robert Woods. The only position he's really lacking on is tight end, and his starter is David Njoku. Sure. Who could be a very nice sleeper? So, yeah, absolutely. I, he, I, I love him this year. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking he's probably going to be. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm expecting big things out of him. Uh, I, I like Nolan's team uh, as well, and uh, I thought his best pick uh, was that John Brown pick, super, super late. I mean, I think. He's got some real sleeper potential. Uh, the preseason game Monday night, he caught a nice touchdown in the back of the end, go- end zone, and uh, it seemed to me early in the game they were Flacco was trying to go deep to him when he could, when it was there. Uh, and he had nice seasons in Arizona, and Flacco does have a have a, have an arm. He'll push the ball down the field when he can. So I love that John Bra- John Brown pick. I think he has a real uh, potential to kind of have maybe uh, jump some of those other players, especially Julian Edelman, uh, in terms of making his way into that starting lineup for him. Hey, John, I know you listen, and you are going to listen, so thank you for sniping John Brown because I told you I was about <laughs> to pick him. So <laughs> John's a listener to the show, so I know he'll love getting mentioned on there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Were you guys talking to some of these guys as you were doing your draft? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A a lot of these are um, buddies of ours um, that we've either done different leagues with. There's a few from Twitter and just a couple from our League of Records. So wanted to try and get supporters of the show on here and and do one of these drafts with us to to get them involved in the show. So we were sort of talking back and forth as it went on. And, uh, yeah, John Brown was one I was sitting on like, oh, nobody knows he's there. And then, boom, two like two or three picks before me. I was like, ah, John Nolan at it again. Yeah. The other team that kind of jumps out at me is uh, Kariggs team, uh, uh, Fishman 64 there. Uh, just a whole lot of uh, receivers there. I mean, it just seems like receiver like loaded. And then I understand it's a half point PPR and stuff like that, but. I probably would have rather maybe got a couple more running backs just because I'm not hanging my hat on basically Melvin Gordon because Crowell, I think people like him this year, but he's a bit of a uh, afterthought. Carlos Hyde might not even be the starter by the end of the year. And Latavius Murray, 
Uh, I don't think they're running a two-back system in Minnesota, despite how good he looked uh, in the has looked in the preseason. Yeah, no, definitely. He's uh he's very thin at the running back position, and if Melvin Gordon goes down or is out for, let's say he pulls the hammy, he's out for three, four games. Like there right. goes there goes your season, man. Like yep. Yeah, he's definitely got way too many uh, wide receivers. At the, at the end there, just take some gambles like Naheem Hines or Kalen Blodge or Adrian yep. Peterson. Or, there's so many different options. Like, yes, you want wide receivers. I ended up with, I think, seven. But there's so many guys later in the draft at the wide receiver position you can gamble on. Like, I gambled on Brandon Marshall and Corey Coleman. So... I mean, both are going to be their uh, second-best wide receiver on the team, and both should see plenty of volume on a team that doesn't have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. Absolutely. Yep. So there's some great insight on our best ball draft. Once again, we really appreciate Ryan uh, willing to co-brand and do this best ball draft with us. I'm sure we're going to find some things to work on here in the future. Ryan, once again, do you want to just give a shout out where everybody can find you, social media, YouTube, where they can find the coverage of the draft on YouTube, etc.? Absolutely. Big shout out goes to Bob and Dan for having me on Not Takes podcast and doing this listener league with them. It was an awesome experience. So thank you guys again for having me on. Uh, Big thanks goes out to Aaron for having me join the FFD 260 team. And if you guys want to check me out, you can follow me on Twitter at drafting underscore king or go check out my youtube page at the fantasy football life on youtube so great and thanks again ryan and we look forward to working with you again in the future congrats on all the the new promotions as far as your fantasy football coverage is going congrats buddy thanks guys nice talking with you absolutely Thanks again to Ryan for partnering with us on a podcast listener uh, supported best ball league uh, through the draft app. We really appreciate partnering with him. He's got a lot of great things going on at his YouTube channel, the fantasy football life. You can find him at drafting underscore King on Twitter. And we look forward to partnering with him on some more stuff in the future. And he did a video for it. It's really great. I highly recommend watching it on YouTube. But Dan, that pretty much closes up the show here. So next week's show, we're going to take a walk around the divisions and sort of call out sort of best players at each division for fantasy to close out the preseason. And then we're going to start ramping up for our our weekly coverage. So glad to be uh, getting towards the end of the preseason here and getting ready for some real football. Yeah, I cannot wait for the, uh, the games to actually start. I'm so excited to actually get this thing rolling, Bob. Yep, and for any of those that still have a draft going on, don't forget we are have an affiliate link with the Fantasy Footballers for their ultimate draft kit. We'll put that link in the description of the podcast. Highly recommended. It. It's the only tool I use to prepare for my drafts. Uh, I think it's the best out there, and we're glad to be partnering with them on that to, to get the ultimate draft kit out there. As we said earlier, you can find us at NotTakesFF on Twitter and Instagram. Email us at NotTakesFF at gmail.com. You can visit our homepage, anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash not takes F-F. You can listen to our podcast there. You can see everywhere we're available and find links to go listen in that platform. And also you can leave voice messages with questions, feedback. We can put that into the show and respond to it. So we bring, uh, we want to bring that into the show. So feel free to join us through anchor, especially if you're on Apple podcasts, please rate review and subscribe. 
Any five-star rating and review helps our show, and we would greatly appreciate it. Anywhere else you subscribe, you'll get the show as soon as it drops. And Dan, why don't you throw your shout-out to your brother for the awesome song that's going to lead us out here. Yeah, Alma. I mean, it's, it is a great tune, something that uh, I don't think we can uh, stop saying enough about. I mean, it's crazy. The other cool thing is every instrument played by my brother, uh, drums, guitar, the whole nine yards, bass. Uh, really impressive, man. Thanks for letting us use it. I appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next week when we walk around each division and give some Fantasy Impact players. And Dan, hope you have a great rest of the night, and I'll talk to you later, dude. Later!